0: Good morning. You know, we had an amazing Resurrection Sunday last week, didn't we? Yeah, I want to build on that momentum this morning. And so I'm going to begin by asking you a question. Okay, now this is not a trick question. I repeat, it's not a trick question. How many of you eat at least one meal every day? Come on, I should see every hand come up, right? We all should be eating at least one meal a day. Now, I want you to think about what happens to you when you don't get the food that your body needs. How does that make you feel? You know, for me, I get headaches, and I get pretty grumpy. Man, you could ask my wife. She'll tell you. If I don't get food, I get pretty grouchy. My son actually has a nickname for me. He calls me Hulk Daddy. As if I turn into the Incredible Hulk or something, you know? Ironically, I actually get weak, And then I have little to no energy to do what needs to be done. And I can get all of that just from one meal. For many people, a lack of good, healthy nutrition on a consistent basis can lead to all kinds of physical problems, whether it's sickness, disease, and even death. Because good nutrition is absolutely critical for keeping us physically healthy and alive. Many of us pay careful attention to what we eat because we know it affects our physical health. But I wonder how many people pay careful attention to their spiritual health because just like what you put into our bodies affects us physically, what you feed your spirit affects you spiritually. So I want you to ask yourself this question. What would my physical health be like If I ate physical food in the same way I ate spiritual food, would you be healthy and full of all kinds of energy? Would you just barely be getting by? Would you be malnourished and weak? Or would you be dead? These are incredibly important questions to think about because spiritually, just like physically, we are what we eat. As children of God, we must have healthy nutrition of spiritual food, okay? We've got to have good spiritual food, and it's essential. We cannot live without it. We must feed our faith, and that's the title for today's message, Feed Your Faith. But sadly, if we're honest with ourselves, most of us are not feeding our faith like we should. We're skipping meals, we're probably trying to grab something in a spiritual drive through because we're always in such a hurry. Or we think we're consuming spiritual food, but if we really took time to evaluate what our actual intake was, we'd find that we're not getting the right spiritual nutrition. Or we're cramming our mouths with spiritual junk food. Or perhaps we're just starving spiritually. Or maybe it's all of the above. Now, I want you to listen to me very, very carefully Lean into this. If all you're doing is coming to church on Sunday, you are starving spiritually. You are starving. That's like eating a snack once a week. Now, I don't want you to misunderstand me. Coming to church is important. The Bible tells us not to forsake the assembling together of the brethren. But coming to church cannot be your only source of spiritual nutrition. Because that's just not going to cut it. It doesn't have to be that way, okay? That's what I'm going to tell you today. Please don't misunderstand that. Now, my purpose today is not to guilt you into just how spiritually malnourished you might be. That is not my purpose today. My purpose today is simply to remind you of how important it is to have faith, for your faith to grow, and to give you some practical insights on how to feed your faith so it will grow. Because you cannot grow spiritually without eating the right spiritual food on a consistent basis. And no one can feed your faith for you. It's something you personally have to choose to do. And I want to encourage you today. You can do it. You can feed your faith. God will give you the strength and the wisdom that you need if you will just call on him. The Bible says in Hebrews chapter 11 that it is impossible to please God without faith. Don't you want to please God? Then feed your faith. Let's pray. Father, we invite you here. We ask Jesus that there will be nothing that stands in the way of the word of God this morning. I pray, Lord God, that any distraction, any attack by the enemy is broken right now in Jesus' name because we can do all things through you who gives us strength. And so we stand upon that promise now in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, for many of us, when it comes to feeding our faith, it's really feast or famine. We may go through a period of feasting where our faith is growing and flourishing, and we feel like everything is just great, right? And then something happens in our lives. Something happens, and then all of a sudden, now we feel like we're in a famine. And we seem to bounce from one extreme to the other. One day it's feast, the next day it's famine. And back and forth it goes. That's because when it comes to feeding our faith, it's not about our feelings or our circumstances. It's not about either one of those. We cannot feed our faith with either one of those things. Feelings and circumstances, those things waffle like the wind, man. They just waffle around. They are always changing. What we need is spiritual food that will satisfy no matter what's going on in our lives, no matter what we're feeling. So today, I'm going to share with you four ways that you can feed your faith. And I promise you that if you put these four ways into practice, your faith's going to flourish. So let's jump in. Let's jump into this. Number one, and most important of all, and you've got to do this every single day. Here it is. Start with The Word of God. Start with the Word of God. The Bible, the Holy Word of God, is your spiritual protein. And you need protein to survive and to thrive. There are no spiritual meal replacements for the Word of God. You can't just whip up some kind of spiritual protein shake, drink that down, and then call it good. It doesn't work that way. The Bible says in Romans chapter 10 that faith comes by hearing, right? And hearing by the Word of God. In other words, there is no substitute for the living Word of God in our lives. To grow your faith, you must consume the Word of God. It's not meant for you to nibble on, it's not meant for you to snack on, it's meant for you to feast on. And just like your body needs physical food every day, your faith needs spiritual food every single day. And the word of God is the primary source for your spiritual nutrition. Nothing will satisfy the hunger of your soul more than the word of God. Now, the Bible says that after Jesus had fasted for 40 days and for 40 nights, that he was hungry. I bet he was hungry. I can't imagine doing that. I get crazy after one day, let alone 40 days. But you know what happened to him after that? That's when, Jesus, or that's when Satan came to tempt Jesus was right after that. Isn't it interesting how Satan often shows up when we're weak or when we're alone? And this is exactly what happened to Jesus. We need to be ready at all times to fight our enemy with our faith. That's what Jesus did. So Satan showed up specifically to tempt Jesus at a time when his physical body was hungry. It was probably pretty weak and it was probably pretty tired too. And so Satan says to Jesus, He says, if you're the son of God, then turn these stones into bread. Now, that's pretty, that's easy to do if you're the son of God, right? (laughs) He could turn anything he wanted into food at any time. But it didn't matter how hungry or how weak or how tired he was. Jesus was much more interested, right, in trusting in God his Father to provide for him than he was in taking matters into his own hands and providing for himself. And I want you to hear how Jesus responds to Satan. This is what he says in Matthew chapter 4, verse 4. He says, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Every word. You see, our physical bodies, yes, they need bread. They need food to survive. But our spirit lives by every word that comes from God. Why is that? Because his word is alive. It is active. It is powerful. It is sharper than any two-edged sword. To feed our faith, we must feast on the word of God. In Joshua chapter 1, verse 8, Joshua says, This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate in it day and night, that you may observe to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous. Then you will have good success. I absolutely love this verse. It's one of the first verses that I memorized years ago when I was being discipled. This verse is saying that we need to devour the Word of God, meditating in it day and night. That word meditate there, that's what a cow does when it chews its cud. It's called rumination. That's where a cow chews its food over and over and over again, right? Swallows it, regurgitates it, and chews it some more to get all of that nutrition. I know you love that graphic picture, didn't you? (laughs) That's what you and I need to do with the Word of God. That's how we feed our faith. The Bible is not something that you just pick up, you read, and then you put down. That's not how it works. We've got to ruminate on it. And when we act upon what we've read, that's what really matters. We've got to obey it. And when we do that, that's how we're going to prosper. That's how we're going to have success. Now, this doesn't necessarily mean, right, that you're going to succeed in what the world may define as success. This success that we're talking about here in this text is based on fulfilling our God-given purpose in our life. And you can only do that by feeding your faith through the word of God. Meditate in it day and night. Obey it. For then you will make your way prosperous. And then you will have good success. Now, the second way to feed our faith is to select supplements wisely. Select supplements wisely. You can walk into any health food store and find row after row after row of shelves filled with all kinds of supplements, but just because that they're in the health food store does not necessarily mean that they're healthy for you. And they are just supplements. They are not intended to serve as the main source of your diet. It's the same thing spiritually. There are all kinds of spiritual supplements available. Anything outside the Word of God that's intended to grow your faith is a spiritual supplement. The Internet is full of all kinds of information. You're just one click away from what seems like an endless supply of devotionals, study materials, and sermon podcasts. Or you could walk into any bookstore go into the spiritual section, and there's going to be tons of books for you to read. But again, just because they're in the spiritual section does not mean that they are healthy for you. We must select our spiritual supplements wisely. There is so much misinformation and deception in the world today. You and I have got to have spiritual discernment. And that only comes through a relationship with Jesus through his word. That's why it's so critical for us to know the truth so that we can spot the lies from the enemy. And our enemy constantly disguises himself in what feels good and what sounds good or what seems logical or what the world defines, right, in its own agenda. The Bible warns us that in the last days that there are going to be many false prophets, that there's going to be many false teachers. And they disguise what they define as truth so deceptively. That's why it's so critical that we select our supplements wisely. Now, Paul says to young Timothy here in 1 Timothy chapter 4 and verse 1, he says, Now, the Holy Spirit tells us that clearly in the last times some will turn away from the true faith. They will follow deceptive spirits and teachings that come from demons. Now, I actually like how the New King James renders this. It says teachings that come from demons, that's actually rendered as doctrines of demons. So I could read this as they will follow deceptive spirits right? And doctrines of demons. We've got to be so careful about what we're consuming. Listen, if it contradicts the word of God, it is false. It's false. Spiritual supplements can be a good thing, but they should never take the place for our main source of spiritual nutrition, which is the word of God. So you can use them, but use them sparingly and select them wisely. Now the third way for us to feed our faith is actually to share your faith. Sharing our faith will actually feed our faith. And we should never overlook or underestimate how important and how powerful the sharing of our faith is. When we share our faith, it not only feeds us personally, it also can feed everyone who hears it. You know, last Saturday morning, I came to men's breakfast and uh, I listened to an amazing testimony from an army lieutenant colonel. His name was Darren. And I was so encouraged by his story. It really resonated with me. It fed my faith, y'all. Especially when he talked about how important it is for us to trust Jesus today, no matter what's going on in our lives. We can't get all worked up about tomorrow or next week or next month or even next year. Our responsibility is to be faithful today. And one of the best ways that we can do that when we're facing hardship or we've got a lack of clarity over a decision that we're facing is to look back over our lives and remind ourselves of all the times that God was faithful to you. That remembrance will give you the strength to persevere. Now, when I heard that, when I heard Darren say that, I was ready to jump out of my chair because my faith was full. It reminded me of what I had just recently read in Psalm 37, 3, which says dwell in the land and feed on his faithfulness. When we look back and we remember all the times that God was faithful in our lives, we are feeding on his faithfulness. When we remember the many promises that are all throughout scripture, we are feeding on his faithfulness. And when you do that, You can't help but share it with people. And then it will not only feed you, but it will feed them. I've been in life groups and I've heard people's stories and have been so encouraged by them. Every time I see someone make a decision to follow Jesus, that feeds my faith. We need to be sharing our faith because that will feed our faith. And that's exactly what we see here in the book of Philemon. Paul says to Philemon here, he says, I thank my God always when I remember you in my prayers because I hear of your love of the faith that you have toward the Lord Jesus and for all the saints. And I pray that the sharing of your faith may become effective. No, the word for effective is powerful, right? And I pray that the sharing of your faith may become powerful or for the full knowledge of every good thing that is in us for the sake of Christ. For I have derived much joy and comfort from your love, my brother, because the hearts of the saints have been refreshed through you. You see, Paul was very encouraged by Philemon's sharing of his faith. Philemon was so in love with Jesus that it overflowed through his sharing of his faith. And that impressed Paul. It fed Paul's faith. And we can see that by what Paul said there in verse 7. He said there, I derive much joy and comfort from your love. And not only was Paul's faith fed, so were all the saints that Philemon shared his faith with. You can see that because it says, all their hearts were refreshed, Because of him. You see, that's exactly what happens when we share our faith with one another. Faith is contagious. It refreshes. It feeds everyone who sees and hears it in action. So don't ever miss the opportunity to share your faith, especially to those who do not know Jesus. Let me tell you, the enemy is going to want to keep you quiet. He is. This wasn't in my first message, but I was thinking about it back there because I felt like in between services I was in a spiritual attack because I didn't feel good. And I grabbed my prayer partner, Teresa. Where are you, Teresa? Is she in here? She's not in here? She, okay, thanks, Bill. <laughs> she took me in the room back there, and I had her pray over me, because we were really like, uh-uh, we're not doing this today. Satan has no dominion over me or over any one of you in here. And so don't ever let him try to keep you quiet. That just should make you want to speak louder anytime he does that. You see, you may very well be the catalyst that God uses to bring someone to faith. And let me tell you, that experience will feed your faith. I can remember years ago when I was pastoring down in the Bitterroot, we had a a baptism service. And all these people had signed up to get baptized. And I had the pleasure of baptizing all the adults. My wife had the honor of baptizing all the children. But I had prayed, but prior to the service, I was like, "Lord God, could you please have someone spontaneously respond today?" I mean, it's one thing to see you all sign up and plan to come, and you come with your towel and your clothes and you're ready. But it's a whole other thing altogether to see someone spontaneously respond who wasn't prepared but just heard the word of God and was like, "Yep, I'm doing it." Well, that didn't happen, so I'm in the lobby. I'm standing around, I'm thinking, well, it's cool, it's cool, it's okay, it's good service. And then this lady comes up to me, and she's like, hey, I got this young girl that uh, wants to get baptized. I could start feeling my faith just rising up, as she told me this. She said, yeah, and her name's Brittany, she's 15 years old, she wants to get baptized. Oh, by the way, she has not accepted Jesus, but she wants to do that today, too. And she doesn't want to do it in that baptismal in there, she wants to do it in the river. It was like February or March, you guys. It was really cold. (laughs) So I said, well, take me to her. And I went over to her, and I said, okay, Brittany, you want to do this? And she said, yep. I said, well, if you're going to do it, I'm going to do it with you. And so we went outside. The whole church that was still there, we all went outside, got on the banks of the Bitterroot River. I walked into that water. I thought I was going to pass out, you guys. It was so cold. She got down in there, but there was nothing like looking her in the eyes and seeing her make that profession of faith to Jesus. That she said, yes, I'm serving him. We baptized her in that water, and our faith was fed by that. Woo! It was so awesome. It's so contagious when you see people respond to stuff like that. And just a few years ago, I was in a life group, Teresa's life group. Bill, Teresa's life group. We're sitting in there. Love you, man. we're sitting in this group and we're sharing our faith like we always do we got the Bible open and there's a young man in there his name is Zach and Zach starts asking all these questions and so we just keep piling on and sharing our faith with him and talking to him about all this stuff and all of a sudden Janet she looks at him Janet you gotta love Janet how could you never respond to Janet you know and she says to Zach she's like hey Zach have you ever accepted Jesus into your heart he said no and she goes well would you like to (laughs) We were like, okay. So we all got around him. After he said yes, we laid hands on him. He prayed and accepted Jesus right there on the spot. Our faith was being fed by that, you guys. And that's not the end. Somebody asked him, said, would you like to be baptized? He said, yeah. And we're like, okay, well, we've got the the nine-mile creek that runs right through Teresa's property. And once again, it's cold, you guys. It's really cold. So we go down there and baptize him. And again, the sharing of your faith can do amazing things. When you see people respond to you or others sharing their faith, it feeds your faith. It's so fulfilling. Now, I want you to listen to me. Not every time that someone shares their faith is there going to be this amazing, glorious moment where all the stars align and the person immediately responds to Jesus. It doesn't always happen that way. You know why? Because the Bible says in John 6, 44, that no one can come on to Jesus unless the father who sent Jesus draws him. That means that the people being saved is a work of the holy spirit. It's by his power, not ours, and this also means that it's in his timing and not ours. Our responsibility is not the outcome or how or when someone responds. Our responsibility is simply to share our faith. And when we do, we will be feeding our faith. Now, I love this in Romans chapter 1, verse 8. Paul says, First, I thank my God through Jesus Christ for all of you, because the news of your faith is being reported in all the world. It was reported in all the world because people were sharing their faith. That's what happens when you share your faith. It spreads and it feeds all who hear. So listen to me. Don't be a secret agent Christian. Share your faith. And when you do, it will feed your faith, and it will feed everyone who hears. So the fourth and final way that we are to feed our faith is to starve your flesh. Starve your flesh. So you might be wondering, how can starving my flesh feed my faith? Well, your flesh is just simply another way of saying your sinful nature. It's, it's that part of you that is always bent towards sin. It's that part of you that wants to choose your own way instead of God's way. And as long as we're in these bodies here on this earth, your flesh will always be in competition with your faith. Always. And you cannot feed both of them at the same time because they are completely opposed to one another. When you feed one, you are starving the other. Feed your flesh, and you starve your faith. Feed your faith... And you starve your flesh. Now Paul tells us something here that's good for us to know in Galatians chapter 5. I'm going to pause here in verse 16. He says, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. You know what that is? That's like you having your own personal spiritual fitness trainer right there in the Holy Spirit. So we're to let the Holy Spirit guide your lives, right? And if we do, then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. The sinful nature wants to do evil, which is just the opposite of what the spirit wants. And the spirit gives us desires that are the opposite of what the sinful nature desires. These two forces are constantly fighting each other. So if you're a child of God, then you've got this battle going on on the inside of you all the time between your flesh and your faith. And the good news is, is that Jesus was the only man in history who did not have a sinful nature. He was without sin. He not only set the perfect example for us in how to live, but he paid the penalty for all of our sins by his finished work on the cross. He satisfied God's wrath against sin, and he provided everyone who believes in him victory over their sinful nature, their flesh. Now, I love what Peter says here in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 24. He says, meaning this is Jesus, he, Jesus, personally carried our sins in his body on the cross so that he can be dead to to sin and live for what is right. By his wounds, you are healed. Do you know that? By his wounds, you are healed. And then Paul says here in Galatians 2.20, I have been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. You see, what Paul is saying here is that if you've accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, then you've been born again into the family of God. And your old self was crucified with what Jesus did on the cross. You're no longer a slave to sin. If I say it another way, now you shouldn't be feeding your flesh. You should be feeding your faith. Why? Because you live by faith. You live by faith now. So now we know the difference between our flesh and our faith and which one we should be feeding, but we still not answered the question of how do we actually starve our flesh? How can we do this? Well, the Apostle Paul tells us how in Romans chapter 12. And we're going to take some time in this text, so if you've got your Bibles with you, you're welcome to pull them out. We're going to stay here in Romans chapter 12. We're going to look at these first two two verses. Because this is all about how you starve your flesh. So he says here, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. So Paul starts out with, I beseech you, therefore, brethren. What does that mean? Paul is saying, I plead with you. I encourage you. I strongly urge you to do what? By the mercies of God, first. Did you know that our God is an extremely merciful God? Man, he is. He doesn't want any one of you to perish. He loves you so much that rather than allow you to die in your own sins, which is exactly where sin leads, is to spiritual death. Instead of that, he sacrificed his one and only son for you so that you would experience the forgiveness of your sins. And if you're here today and you're in need of God's mercy, you're in need of God's forgiveness for your sins, then you need to feed on the faithfulness of God by the promise that he offers in this text right here, 1 John 1, verse 9. Man, you got to marinate on this right here. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. That's a promise right there. That's a promise that you can count on. Confess your sins, and he will forgive you. Why? Because he is merciful. He is a merciful God. So because of his mercy, how are we supposed to respond to that? Well, this is how. Present your bodies as a living sacrifice. Present your bodies as a living sacrifice. That's how you respond. And what this means is, is we stop living to satisfy our own selfish and sinful desires And we now live to fulfill God's purpose in our lives. You know, many people hate making sacrifices because it costs them something, because it's painful. So they want the easy way out. They want to get something without sacrificing anything. But the Bible tells us that our whole lives should be a sacrifice. Jesus says in Luke 9, 23, that we are to take up our cross daily and follow him. That means we are to die to our own selfish desires, and we're to live for him, for him for his purposes every single day. This means that we sacrifice our entire lives to him. All that we are, all that we have should go to him. Listen, the more you offer yourself to him, the less you offer yourself to sin. Now, to say it another way, the more you feed your faith, the more you starve your flesh. Now, in verse 1 of our text, it also says holy. We are to be holy. That means we are to be set apart. In other words, we are to live differently than the world because we're not of the world. If you're a child of God, then you are actually a citizen of heaven, and you should be living your lives as citizens of heaven. 1 John 2.16 says that all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life are not of the Father. They're of the world. So we should be doing our best to separate ourselves from the world and the things of this world. And then lastly here, we must ensure that our sacrifice to God is acceptable to God. Now, another word for acceptable is pleasing. We should be pleasing to God. How do we please God? Well, I said that in the beginning of the message. It's impossible to please God without faith. It's impossible to please him without that. So we feed our faith. We don't feed our flesh because when we feed our flesh, we are not pleasing to God. And let me tell you, here's what the results are when you feed your flesh. Paul tells us here in Galatians chapter 5, this is the results of feeding your flesh. He says, when you follow the desires of your sinful nature, your flesh, the results are very clear. Sexual immorality, impurity, lustful pleasures, idolatry, Sorcery, hostility, quarreling, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambition, dissension, division, envy, drunkenness, wild parties, and other sins like these. Let me tell you again, as I have before, that anyone living that sort of life will not inherit the kingdom of God. We please God when we obey God, when we obey his word. And when we obey God, we starve the flesh. Now, Paul tells us on the other side of this, this is what happens when we feed our flesh. Let's see what happens when we feed our faith. What's the result of that? Well, here it is. Paul says, but the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There is no law against these things. When we are feeding our faith, that's the kind of fruit That comes from our lives. We cannot feed both our flesh and our faith at the same time because they're completely opposed to one another. When you feed one, you're starving the other. We must starve our flesh. Now, if I look back at our text here in Romans 12, after we've offered our bodies as a living sacrifice, what's next? Paul says, and do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of our mind. In other words, we're not meant to fit in. We're not meant to follow the culture of this world. We're to be transformed by the renewing of our mind. That can only occur if we're feeding our faith through the word of God. So now we come back to where we started today. Feeding your faith should begin and end with the word of God. And if you do that, you will starve your flesh. Now, I want to illustrate this by the life of Joseph. Joseph was a man who lived this out. At age 17, his brothers sold him into slavery. And eventually he ended up being taken to Egypt to serve under Potiphar, the captain of Pharaoh's guard. And the word says that he became a very successful man serving in the house of his Egyptian master. Eventually he became Potiphar's personal attendant. And Potiphar put him in charge of his entire household and gave him authority over everything that he owned. And then Potiphar's wife noticed him. And she asked him to come sleep with her. And the word says that she kept asking him to sleep with her day after day. But he refused her. And one day she got a lot more aggressive. She actually reached out and grabbed him and said, come sleep with me. And his response was to immediately run. He didn't entertain the temptation He didn't try to stand there and fight. He made a conscious decision to run. That is starving your flesh. And that's a lesson for you and I today. When it comes to sexual temptation, I'm talking about anything that arouses lust within us, we are to starve our flesh. Don't even stand there and try to fight it. Get the heck out of there. Men, I'm especially talking to you. Whether it's what you encounter on the internet, or whether it's through a movie or a TV show or a magazine, or maybe you're just out and about and you see something catches your eye. Don't even entertain it. Do what Joseph did and run immediately. Starve your flesh. Because let me tell you, that flesh can be like an insatiable monster. So you've got to starve it. That's the key to success. And when you do that, when you starve it, you're actually feeding your faith. Now, Joseph's story didn't end there. It says that he went to prison after that because Potiphar's wife accused him of raping her, so he had to go to prison. But eventually, his faithfulness and the sovereignty of God led him out of prison, and at age 30, he becomes second in command of all of Egypt, second only to Pharaoh himself. God gave Joseph the vision that there would be seven years of abundance, followed by seven years of famine. Joseph wisely used those seven years of abundance to prepare for the years of famine. And so let me just cut to the heart of what I'm trying to say about the life of Joseph. His faith fed an entire nation. His faith fed an entire nation. What about your faith? What about your faith? Are you feeding it? Is your faith feeding others? Today I gave you four ways that you could feed your faith. Start with the word of God. Select supplements wisely. Share your faith. Starve your flesh. You cannot grow spiritually without eating the right spiritual food on a consistent basis. So make sure you feed your faith. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that we have the freedom to read and study the Word of God. You've given us your will through your Word, and we thank you for that. I know, Father, there may be someone here today that recognizes, you know what? I want to feed my faith, but I don't really have any faith. I don't have that relationship with Jesus, but I want to have that relationship today. I want to choose to follow him. And maybe you've never done that, but you're thinking about it right now. And you feel the Holy Spirit within you. And you feel this conflict going on between your flesh and faith. But you know, you're ready to make that decision. If that's you and you want to make that decision to follow Jesus today, I just ask that you slip your hand up and I'll pray for you. Every eye is closed, every head's bowed. I'm not going to embarrass you. If you're here today and you want Jesus to be the savior of your life, slip up your hand so I can pray for you. Thank you. Thank you. Anyone else? Thank you. Amen. So if you've done that, repeat this prayer after me. Father, I recognize that I am a sinner, and that I am in need of a Savior, and I cannot save myself. But I believe in what you did on the cross for me, and so now I'm going to put my trust and my faith in you. And I ask Jesus that you'd now come into my heart, and from this day forward, I will live for you. And we'll thank you for it in your mighty name. If you prayed that prayer, welcome to the family of God. Others of you may be here as we keep praying. Yeah. Others of you, as we keep praying, you're thinking to yourself, you know what? I am spiritually malnourished. I have not been feeding my faith in the way that I should, but I recognize that I need to, and I want to make that commitment today that I'm going to start feeding my faith in the way God has told me to because I want to grow. If that's you and you need prayer and you'd like for me to pray for you, then I just ask you to slip your hand up, and I will do that for you. Thank you. Thank you. A lot of hands going up for that. Father, I ask Holy Spirit by your power and your grace that you would work in these people's lives who have said, yes, I want to be, I want to feed my faith and I want to follow you with my whole heart. I pray, Jesus, that you'd walk with them, that you'd feed them through your word and that you'd help all of us to walk this out, to actually share our faith so that it does become contagious and we'll see others come to follow you as well. And so we're going to thank you for it. We're going to stand on the promises of God in Jesus mighty name. Amen. Amen. So I'm going to ask if there's any uh, people here from the leadership team, if there's any former people like Larry, I see sitting there, if you want to come forward, we haven't done this in a while, but if you need prayer and you'd like someone to pray for you, there'll be people up front who will do that. Okay. Take advantage of that. We will pray. There is power in prayer. Let's stand and let's sing our closing song. Hello, I'm Pastor Bruce Speer from Cross Point Church. I want to thank you for tuning in and watching one of our messages. We do hope that the teaching of the Word of God will impact your life and cause you to want to walk closer. To the lord jesus i hope that you also consider supporting the crosspoint ministry so that we can do more for the cause of christ if you have questions about your spiritual walk especially about how to invite jesus into your life i hope that you'll call us god bless you and again thanks for watching